Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, January 5th. 2022 is a very interesting year in the Canadian job market. Record low unemployment and at the same time labour shortages in many different sectors. So what's the outlook for the job market in 2023? We dig into the results of a new survey on the topic with Ahmad Borhat, Director of Workplace Solutions for Manpower Recruiting. Age is going to catch up to all of us and nothing we can do to stop it. But could there be hope to stop the progression of Alzheimer's disease? We talk about the latest research with Dr. Joshua Armstrong with the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Canada. And finally, have you considered taking preemptive action when it comes to maintaining a healthy heart? We learn about work being done right here in Calgary by the HeartFit Clinic to give patients some insight into their own personal heart health. We speak with clinic founder Diamond Fernandez. Manpower Group Employment is out with their 2023 employment outlook. So what do employer hiring expectations tell us about the health of Alberta and Canada's economy as a whole? Joining us to talk about it is Ahmed Borhat, Director of Workforce Solutions for Manpower here in Alberta. Good morning to you, Ahmed. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everyone. Can you explain a little bit about Manpower? What, what does your organization do? Yeah, so Manpower, we are, in the simplest way to explain it, we are a staffing provider. We've been around, we're a global company. We're in 80-plus countries around the world. And uh, essentially, we help job seekers find work and help employers create strategies to, to find the right workers for their, uh, their vertical. The 2023 Employment Outlook Survey, can you tell us how it was conducted? Yes, so our Manpower Employment Outlook Survey, it's a quarterly survey. Um, and it's the most comprehensive forward-looking employment survey of its kind. It's been running since 1962, and essentially it's one simple question. We ask employers what are their hiring trends for the upcoming quarter. So this survey was just released today, and it looks for it looks at Q1 2023 and what the employment trends are looking like in, in, in Canada and broken down to the prairies of, of Alberta as well. We'll get into specifics for Alberta, but can you give us an overall outlook for Canada as a whole? Yeah, so it's it's looking like a very promising uh, first quarter for Canada. Uh, of the old, just over 1,000 employers surveyed, 46% of employers plan to hire. So almost, almost half of employers plan to hire. Only 13% anticipate cutbacks, and the remaining 41% uh, remain unchanged or unsure of their hiring intentions for the first quarter of 2023. Can you tell us, last year was wild, and, you know, we heard uh, different stories about, you know, some businesses basically having to shutter operations because they could not find employees. We heard about something that was called, what was it, the Great Resignation. Uh, You know, how does it compare to the survey that you did ahead of 2022, this survey? Because I know last year was kind of a wild card. Uh, How does it compare? So it's it's very much the same story, to be completely honest with you. Businesses are still transacting. The economy is still moving. Things are happening. Um, the problem is there's been a thing we've been discussing. We've been talking about now for a few years, the skills gap. So essentially, another survey we did late last year, the spring of, of 2022, was a talent shortage survey. And now it has been telling us the last few years now that 75% of Canadian employers are having a hard time filling their open roles. And the biggest, biggest reason is lack of applicants and lack of applicants with applicable skill sets. Mm. So businesses are transacting, things are happening in the market, but companies and employers are having a hard time filling those roles. And, and there's a lot of reasons why, but they can't find the uh, the, the talent. So it's a limited talent pool, um, and, and that's a big, big reason for it. So the skills gap is a big, big reason for it. 
Let's break it down here in Alberta. Ahmed, tell us about the numbers. What did you discover about uh, hiring trends and employment outlooks for 2023 here in our province? Yeah, so Q1 2023 looks promising in, in Alberta and Prairie's uh, robust hiring climate is what we're, we're anticipating. Um, 47% of employers plan to hire, 14% anticipate cutbacks, and the remaining 39% uh, look to maintain current staffing levels or unsure. So similar story, uh, almost half of employers plan to hire for Q1 2023 in the Alberta Prairie's. Speaking with Ahmed Borhat, Director of Workforce Solutions for Manpower here in Alberta. Let's let's break down as far as the industries. Are there specific industries, uh, you know, taken into account with this survey or is it just kind of a broad stroke when it comes to jobs? No, so there's nine industries we look at. Uh, financials, real estate, industrials and materials, IT, transport, logistics and automotive, communications, energy utilities, consumer goods, healthcare and other. So there's nine verticals, industries we look at. Um, for Q1 2023, all nine are, are in the positive. So all nine are looking at hiring. So they're all, all green for the first quarter of 2021, um, with the top three being financials, real estate, industrials and materials, and information technology, IT. Ahmed, you live in this world. That's your job. Does it make you feel positive to see these numbers? Yeah, so the word we always use, and I use this a lot with my with ever I speak with every single day, is we're cautiously optimistic. Um, businesses are transacting. It's a very, very, very tough labor market, limited talent pool. Um, the the biggest piece I, I tell everyone every single day is, you know, if you're a company, uh, understand how to create a strategy of not only how to attract top talent, but retain top talent is very, very important. So understanding that as a company, and then for job seekers understanding what the in-demand skill sets are and how to get those skill sets. And uh, a lot of it is not, you know, going to a formal education. There's a lot of programs and resources based in, in, in Alberta that can help you get these in-demand skill sets through uh, a bunch of different uh, ways. Um, but, yeah, so it's just kind of reframing that mindset for, for employers and job seekers to understand things are happening um, the economy isn't as, as down and out as I think a lot of people might seem and think it is, um, but there's just a skills gap. So understanding from the employer side and the job seeker side how to kind of bridge that gap is going to be very, very important. Thanks for your insight. Thanks for sharing the details of the survey, Ahmad. We appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. It's Ahmad Borhat, Director of Workforce Solutions for Manpower in Alberta. More details, manpower.ca. It can be really difficult to care for a loved one suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's disease. In fact, according to Alzheimer's Society of Canada, 87% of caregivers wish more people understood the realities of caring for someone with dementia. Joining us to talk about it is Dr. Joshua Armstrong, research scientist with Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Good morning to you, doctor. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. A, a tough road for so many people. What are the realities and, you know, some of the challenges that caregivers face? It's tough to care for a loved one with any form of dementia, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to see your loved one kind of experience all the challenges that come along with the different forms of dementia and greatly impacts the individual and their ability to take care of themselves. Dr. Dr. Armstrong, let's talk about how common Alzheimer's disease in Canada. Do we have some numbers to quantify it? Yeah, back in uh, the September of last year, we released a report kind of looking at where we're currently at with numbers and uh, what we're expecting over the next 30 years. It's called the Landmark Study. You can find it on our website. 
Uh, that study estimates that currently there are around 660,000 Canadians living with dementia. And by 2050, that number is almost going to triple to 1.7 million. Wow. Do we know more, uh, how, like in terms of how much we've discovered about the disease, do we know far more than we ever did before in terms of trying to get to some sort of, maybe not a cure, but just a better understanding? There's definitely been a lot of developments in the last couple of decades. Uh, we still don't fully understand all the mechanisms behind what leads to the development of dementia, but we have a better understanding of what we can do to, to reduce risk. What what are the factors that are associated with people increasing their risk of getting developing the condition? Uh, so we understand that, and we can use that information to try to uh, reduce the numbers across our population. The numbers, we, we were talking about those people directly affected by dementia or under the umbrella of dementia, but it goes much broader than that, doesn't it, Dr. Armstrong, as far as the impact on, on family, friends, and neighbors, doesn't it? Yes, for sure, because when you develop dementia, it's an individual diagnosis, but that's going to impact your entire family, especially uh, the person closest to you is going to provide that support and care. Uh, so it doesn't only in, in, impact that individual, it's going to impact the entire family, um, this is a diagnosis that doesn't that occurs, and then people can live anywhere up to a couple of decades with the condition. So it has a, a very big impact on on the entire family. Not just the entire family, obviously. In you know the close confines, that's a huge thing. But just overall, in terms of the cost for the Canadian economy and healthcare system, do, do we have figures on that? Um, there's not good figures. We're working on a report to come out probably in 2024. Uh, tying these new estimates or projections to dollar numbers, but the costs are huge. You can think about the formal healthcare costs, but then also think about all the hours of care that are provided by family and friends um, to to take care of those individuals when they're living in their home. Most people with dementia do live at home until their disease progresses to a more advanced state where they move into a long-term care or some sort of care facility where they can receive around-the-clock care from professionals. But before that, you have individuals providing that care. They might just step away from their job. So there's a great impact mm-hmm. on the economy, both through the formal health care services, but also through uh, these non-formal or care partners providing support to these individuals. Speaking with Dr. Joshua Armstrong, research scientist with the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Dr. Armstrong, let's talk about the research and the resources available in Canada uh, when it comes to combating Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, how, how do we stack up uh, to the rest of the, the, the world? Uh, we, uh, The Alzheimer's Society of Canada itself provides a lot of money towards a number of different innovative research projects. Uh, different other funded bodies, bodies in Canada also provide a lot of money to that. So we're we're slowly developing a better understanding, better uh, better ways that we can address the condition, better understanding of the, how the brain changes itself. But there's still a long way to go. As we talked about, the numbers are quickly rising, yet we still don't really have a way to stop it in its tracks. So the best thing to do at this point, at least in my opinion, is to work on risk reduction. How can people reduce their risk of developing dementia through addressing what are called modifiable risk factors? Okay, let's talk about those. How can we? What are some of those risk factors? What can we do to try and to ward off Alzheimer's or dementia? When we think about risk factors, we often break them into these two categories, non-modifiable and modifiable. So the non-modifiable ones are your age. You can't do anything about how old you are. You can't do anything about what sex you're born at with. But you, and you can't do anything about your parents or your genetics. But you can do address things that are modifiable that increase your risk, like 
looking at your heart health, getting good sleep, making sure you're physically active, not drinking too much, not smoking. All these things impact your brain health. Anything you do that can improve your brain health is going to reduce your overall risk of dementia. Dr. Armstrong, let's talk about the signs. Can we spot Alzheimer's in ourselves or in one of our loved ones? What should we be looking for? Um, well, for there's many different dementias, and you'd have to kind of pinpoint a single one to kind of look for initial signs. But when it comes to the most common form of dementia, it's Alzheimer's disease. And usually that starts off with the impact uh, to memory. So you might, everyone has some challenges with memory as they get older, even myself can lose words or forget memories, but when, you, when that's starting to have an impact on their daily life, that's a sign that there's something going on and that you should talk to a physician to see if you can get uh, a kind of a workup of, of where you're at cognitively. Maybe it's just the age that I'm at, but it, does it seem like there are more cases, are more and more people being diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia, or is it just that it, it is something we see and experience later in life? Well, the, the strongest risk factor for dementia is aging. And with our population currently, we're getting older overall. The baby boomers, you guys might be familiar with, that cohort, that generation, starting to get into their 70s and 80s, or actually not quite the 80s yet, but they're getting older and they're a large number of people across Canada. And as they get older, their risk of developing dementia increases. So we're just seeing it more frequently, not because the disease condition is ramping up speed, but because we're just getting uh, becoming older. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. That's uh, Dr. Joshua Armstrong, research scientist with Alzheimer's Society of Canada. It happens to be Alzheimer's Awareness mm-hmm. Month here in uh, Canada. Alzheimer's, Alzheimer, no S, dot C-A. And to me, it's... It's one of these things that it does. It, so many people have been touched by this. Oh. We, we we should cover more of this uh, in the next uh, few Truly. weeks. I have three good friends right now all dealing with a parent right now suffering various stages of Alzheimer's or dementia. And it is, it's, it's heartbreaking to watch them deal with it, but mm-hmm. it's exhausting too because it's a lot of work, isn't it? And, and knowing what to go, what to do, where to go for the right help. It's 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 just it's a it's a terrible disease. And as Dr. Armstrong said, a lot of these folks live at home to begin with. Yeah. Um, and then what it does get down to is not the fact that they would not want to be obviously they want to be comfortable in their own homes. Mm-hmm. We want to visit our relatives in mm-hmm. our homes, but then the whole safety aspect comes in, in into play as well. So it, it, it's it's a very much a, a complex issue. Mm-hmm. We'll be covering it throughout the month. It is arguably the most important organ in the human body. It is the heart. Now, besides following a healthy diet and being physically active, can you take preemptive steps to ensure your heart remains healthy? Joining us this morning, live in studio, is Diamond Fernandez, founder of the Heart Fit Clinic. Good morning, Diamond. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you in person. We hear your ads all the time, and it fascinates us. That's why we wanted to have you in and talk more about it. And it seems pretty topical these days as well, right? Of course, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your work how do you assess someone's heart before anything ever goes wrong well the number one thing is when you talk about heart disease i know that obviously we'll talk about it in a bit but uh you know you hear about these athletes dropping from heart issues Mm -hmm. and and that part of it really the thing is it can happen to anybody right and so most people think ah you know i saw my doctor i got a clean bill of health and uh, you know i saw my cardiologist and they told me i'm okay and that's only because they're, and not that they don't love you too, but they're concerned more for advanced problems that are happening. And the, and the common misconception when we talk about artery disease, uh, 
it's usually people think that cholesterol accumulates to this pipe and you have a, a last cheeseburger and fries and you end up with a heart attack and like, gosh, I shouldn't have had that last cheeseburger or fries or I shouldn't have had that last drink of alcohol or whatever might be the situation. It does not happen that way. And so there are actually very complicated uh, um, uh, biochemical pathways that happen to the artery wall. And cholesterol is just something that it, it really... It's the only thing that pharmaceuticals can treat is the bad cholesterol. In mm. fact, there are a lot of different things that can happen from that. So the best way I like to say it is that the artery is like, uh, it's the inside of the artery is all skin. It's actually, the, it's called the endothelium, which is the inner lining of the artery wall. And that's actually the largest organ of your body. People think it's the skin outside of your body. It's actually the skin inside the lining of the artery wall. And if I attached all your arteries together, it would go around the world like three times. Wow. So you have a lot of arteries in your body and this skin can get damaged. And the big, there's hundreds of things that can damage the skin. And at the HeartFit Clinic, we get to look at a lot more than just uh, blood pressure and diabetes. But cholesterol does not damage that lining of the skin. And think of it like a tennis net like structure. When you damage it, it becomes, uh, you have these different size particles and you've got these small ones and these large ones. And these small ones are vulnerable for slivering into the lining of the artery wall. So the first thing is something has to damage the lining of the artery wall. Then cholesterol gets used up in a negative way. And it builds up just like a pimple would on your face. But there are a bunch of biochemical reactions that happen that we look at at the HeartFit Clinic. So when you're asking about, you know, are you trying to prevent that heart attack or prevent another heart attack? Those are the things that we look at to get a little bit more personalized versus generalized approach right, to treating right. cardiovascular disease. Makes sense. Well, you know, obviously it was timely. We, we booked this uh, a week or two ago because we want to get into the new year and in, in a healthier path. Yeah. But then, of course, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, shocked the world when he had cardiac arrest in the middle of the game in incredible shape. Professional athlete. So besides, you know, the cholesterol markers, the stethoscope, maybe... Uh, genetics in your family. Mm-hmm. Do you think we, we were ignoring our hearts in the sense that if I, my doctor says, your cholesterol is great, you know what, you, there's no genetic, you're good. Yeah. I, I, you, are, have we not done enough to be preemptive when it comes to our hearts in our society? Well, it's challenging. And, and this is the challenge, trying to get millions of people to follow, you know, just check on cholesterol and listen to your heart. It goes beyond that. And at the HeartFit Clinic, we just get to get a little bit more personalized. That's the idea. And it goes beyond the healthcare system because we're going a little bit more in depth. That's the idea of that. Now, that's important. It's always important to look at those things. I feel, especially when you get to a professional level, they spend millions of dollars on these athletes. I think they should get a better heart workup. Uh, That's for sure, especially when you're talking about structural issues of the heart or genetic conditions. That's something that goes undiagnosed. I mean, Jay Bomeister, there's... uh, Mm -hmm. um, gosh, one of the Detroit Red Wings as well, you know, they, they collapse on the ice from, from a heart attack or a, heart, or a cardiac arrest. And, and that's really shocking to people because really heart disease can happen to anybody. And at the Hartford Clinic, we just like to be more proactive to treating that aspect. of it. So technically you can perhaps see a problem that might come down the road before anything ever goes wrong. Exactly. Yeah. That's brilliant. So what does it look like when someone comes in? Like, how do you, how, how and what are you doing in sort of non-technical terms? How yeah. are you testing people? I, I think that I'll keep it simple. The, the best way I can say it, like, it goes beyond cholesterol. So we go and really investigate a lot of blood work that is damaging the lining of the artery wall to seeing what particles get 
oxidized or broken down. I'm going to keep this simple. So if you take a slice um, uh, of apple and I open that up and I cut it and I leave that on the counter, what happens to that apple? It goes brown, right? It goes brown. That's what happens to particles or cholesterol particles when they go inside the lining of the artery wall. Now, I'm going to get a little bit technical here for a second, and I apologize for this, but it's kind of like when those apples brown or oxidize, that's what the terminology is, now you have Miss Pac-Man waiting around in your bloodstream ready to eat it up. And sometimes she eats too much and it, she gets too big and, and deposits inside the lining of the artery wall and, and it builds up like a pimple would on your face. And most people think that, gosh, it, it, it's a, it's a buildup. And we talk about the traffic report and all this. Well, gosh, if we take a five-lane highway system, the healthcare system here is designed to look at four out of five lanes closed on a highway system where you'll miss 90% of heart attacks that way because mm. 90% of heart attacks occur with blockages that are, you know, three lanes, two lanes, one lane closed where you have an accident at one lane or two lane closed and all of a sudden it becomes a heart attack. That's how it happens. Or a pimple popping inside the lining of the artery wall. That's a heart attack. Most people think it's an accumulation of. At the HeartFit Clinic, we like to see where your risk is of that heart attack or stroke by looking at the biochemistry of the artery, the pathophysiology of an artery, and a lot of cool tests that we do as well. But then what's more important, what I love more, is to help people reverse a disease process, especially if they're on this path of a heart attack. We can prevent that, hmm. you know, and that's where we grow new arteries and improve the artery health and function that way. So. Very interesting. We, we wish we had more time with you. But in the meantime, we're going to direct people to heartfit.ca mm-hmm. yeah. for more info or if they have questions for you, Diamond, or want to schedule an appointment. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Diamond Fernandez, founder of HeartFit Clinic, heartfit.ca for all you need to know.